This is Off Air, the juicy designer podcast for creatives. I'm Abby from Abby Design. And I'm Katie from Wildflower Design Co. And we're here to share the secrets behind what it's really like to own a freelance design business. Welcome to this juicy episode, maybe the juiciest one yet. So in today's episode, we have a very special guest with us and we are going to be dishing the dirt on our pet peeves within the creative industry. So things that are super annoying, things that get on our nerves as designers and things that don't really get spoken about. So we have Alyssa here from Brand and Bloom Designs. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining us on our podcast to talk all about our pet peeves. I'd love if you could introduce yourself and tell everyone listening a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, hi everyone. My name is Alyssa from Brand and Bloom Designs and thank you guys so much for having me. Um, when Katie reached out to me to be a guest on the podcast, I was like, yes, duh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I am the CEO and lead designer of Brand and Bloom Designs where we focus heavy on brand strategy, brand identity design, and website design. Uh, We're based in Austin, Texas, and we've been around for a little, like, two years now. Um, but yeah, once again, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. No, we're so excited to have you on and you're, you're our first American guest on the podcast. So that's, oh, that's cool. fun. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, as Abby <laughs> said, basically, today we are talking all about um, pet peeves, things that get on our nerves. And, you know, obviously design is a really subjective thing. And like, everyone's going to have their own opinions on what bugs them and things that get on their nerves in the industry. Um, so while we will be talking about different areas of freelancing, uh, this episode is just a bit of fun and, you know, we don't intend to offend anyone at all. So every pet peeve that's been submitted today by, um, our lovely audience, um, is completely anonymous, um, you know, and they've all been written by you. So not everything discussed will be our opinions, but that's what we're talking about today. And while I'm on the topic of having you guys submitting stuff, um, you can now head to the bio in our Instagram page and submit your own stories. So we want you to head over there, um, fill out the Google form, and we want to know your most nightmare client stories because we will be talking about them in a future episode. So go over there and do that now. If you're not following us already, it is at off air pod over on Instagram. So as I was saying, there isn't a right or wrong way of being a freelance designer. So if something comes up where we're all like, oh my God, don't do that, um, but it works for you, that is totally fine. Um, you do you, you know? And similarly, if your opinion is different to, um, you know, one of someone else's, like don't take it to heart. Um, we all have our own processes and ways of working and this episode is literally just a laugh. So if you are easily offended, this episode might not be for you, but it is not our intention at all. I'm so excited to like get this started and actually talk about oh my God, these I know. pet peeves because I feel like it doesn't get spoken enough in the industry that we're in and it's such a good topic to speak about. So I put um, a little question on my Instagram story, yeah, story the I other did day the same. and I had so many things that came back and there's so many things that I just like want to talk about. So I don't know, Alyssa, mm-hmm. if you want to start with like your first pet peeve within the industry, yeah. maybe something that like gets on your nerves that you want to talk about yeah. and we can get the ball rolling. Absolutely. Okay, so I guess the one that I'm going to start with um, is when clients don't look at you as the expert, like they don't realize they hired you to be the expert rather 
they treat you oh like they're God. you're their employee. So when they hire you, they expect you to work for them around the clock, twenty four seven, and they don't realize like, hey, I have other clients too. This isn't like you're not my full time job. So that's definitely a big one. Like you guys need to look at us as the expert. We're here to help you. Um, but also I'm not your employee to be around all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. We had quite a lot of submissions um, from people that said things like this as well. So it's obviously quite um, an important like issue. Um, we were talking the other day um, to one of our friends and she was saying, um, that she'd had an issue where a client was so rude to her um, because she put something on her story that she was sort of out in the sun and whatever. And the client messaged her like, why are you out in the sun? You should be working on my project. And it's like, who do you think you are? That's bad. Yeah, that's actually something similar has happened to me before. Um, I posted on my story and said like, something about running errands or shopping or something. um, And they said something similar to like, why are you at home working on my project? You're out shopping instead. And I was like, it, like behavior like that's abusive and controlling. Like oh, you can't 100%. act like that. <laughs> like I'm running my own business. I'm not, I'm not here to like speak to your demands. Like, yes, you're like hiring me to do a service for you, but I work within my own hours. Like if I've told you I'm going to get something mm-hmm. to you by X date, like I will, you don't have to keep checking on me. Like I'm not a child. I think there like, yes. needs to be boundaries set as well at the start. So if you don't have those boundaries in place with your clients, I feel like that's when it can get a bit wavy and that's when you can get that abusive message and oh, why aren't you working on my designs? Well, no, mm-hmm. like I do have a life outside of design. Like I do have a personal life. I'm not a yep. robot. Like I may come across as a robot on my account, but like... Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I am a real person. I'm just Mm -hmm, like you, I do have a life outside of it. And I think sometimes people can forget that, especially if you're not very, like if you don't show your face as much on your socials, I feel like you Mm -hmm. can get that like robot response from people and it's just, oh, it does my head in. The thing is, it's, it's kind of hard as well. I'm always that kind of person that's like, find the red flags in the client inquiries and like figure Absolutely. them out before you work with them yeah. and then don't work with them. But it can be really hard to um, yeah. see this sort of thing when you're just like in the talking stages with a client. Um, so yeah, if, if a client turns around to you and you know asks you why aren't you working on my project or anything along those lines like honestly tell them to f off because (laughs) maybe not tell them to do that no no don't literally say that to them (laughs) just sort of subtly (laughs) no set set your boundaries beforehand I'd say and then at least your clients know what to expect from you exactly yeah boundaries are a huge thing and I think for like designers just starting out because like this happened when I was a new designer so I didn't understand that you have to set those boundaries in the beginning Um, and something that's really helped when that with that is sending over like a welcome packet to your client like going over boundaries and stuff so if you're a new designer uh, the welcome packet is probably going to be game changer for you Okay, Abby, what's your pet peeve? I want to know. <laughs> I have I have a lot. There are there are loads mm-hmm. and there are lots that that I've been sent in, so I'm going to find one that um, was sent in on my questionnaire. I think the biggest one for me is when you do a design for someone, they come back with amends and one of the amends could be, "Can you make it stand out more or mm-hmm. can you make it pop?" And I mean like does does, does anyone know 
what that means no, like, no. Does, is that no what what does what does make it pop mean like i have no idea like do i change the colors do i increase the text like what what am i doing so i feel like when you get that amend from a client it's it's very hard to understand what they mean and i i mean mm. that could be down to the client not understanding like how to give amends um and it should be like our job obviously to go back and say like oh well we need more more in-depth amends rather than saying like oh can you make it pop like I have no idea what you're on about but yeah that is definitely one of my pet peeves and definitely I got so many of them like can you make it pop or like can you add something else I'm just like no or can you make the logo bigger oh yeah (laughs) no (laughs) yeah like help me out here what does that even mean do you want me to make the font bolder like I don't know make it pop I've I've had it a few times as well and I'm just like I literally don't understand like what you mean by saying like can you make it pop like I've done everything that you've said (laughs) that you wanted and now it's like how like am I changing the colors I feel so lucky I've never had that in a piece of feedback if you not no no I have I've had it I've had it yeah I've had it a few times and it definitely like gets my blood boiling I'm a bit like it's okay just make it pop I I know what you mean (laughs) not (laughs) oh I've got to think of my pet peeve now so mine is kind of similar to Alyssa's so mine is when you're like getting feedback from a client and they take it upon themselves to either design the logo in Canva or draw it and then send it to you and be like can you just make that That's happened yes. to me so many times before and I'm just like, do you want to design the logo? Because what are you paying for me for? For You know, just go and do it in Canva if that's what you want. Like, Yes, that's what I was going to say. That was actually going to be my next one. Or like, um, yeah, like they sketch it up on their notepad and take a picture and send it to you. And they're like, can you recreate this? And you're like, no. <laughs> I know. Somebody submitted one. Let me see if I can find it. And it really made me laugh because it was like, um when they um view you as a pixel pusher and that like really made me laugh because it's so true like a lot of clients just view you as like the in-between of their ideas and the final product but it's not that like as designers we sort of take brand strategy and there are there are strategic Mm -hmm. things behind you know that specific font we've picked or the color palette like it's not just like oh that looks pretty so here you go and I think that's what a lot of clients Mm -hmm. think logo design is so that's why they feel the need to be like, can you just put the text underneath it rather than in this place? Or And it's like, mm, that's there mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And when someone reaches out to me like an inquiry and they already have this exact logo in mind that they want, they've even maybe even sketched it and they reach out to me and say, can you recreate this for me? I'll usually guide them to places like Upwork mm-hmm. or Fiverr. Like if you want this exact thing recreated, this is probably your best option because that's not what I do. Like we're all brand designers and brand strategists here. There's strategy behind mm-hmm. everything we do. So if I get like an inquiry like that, um, I'll usually just kick them to the curb. Yeah, no, me too. It's just reminded me as well of like when someone sort of sends you like an image from Pinterest or Google and they're like, I want it like this. This is how I want it. And you're like, mm-hmm. I can't copy this. And it's just, yeah, so annoying. Yeah, I get that a lot too. I think though, and um, we've obviously already done an episode on like raising your prices and stuff, but I do find that as you kind of raise your prices, you get less and less inquiries Mm -hmm. that are like, can you just recreate this? Or 
can you just Absolutely. make my design? Because um, obviously they're not going to pay you like thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever to just mm-hmm. like recreate one of their ideas. And that is why we designers are so expensive. <laughs> no, I'm only yes. joking. <laughs> okay, this one, this kind of goes off what we were just saying, but when someone reaches out to you and you have like the consult call and then you send them over a proposal with your pricing and they're like, or you tell them your pricing on the call and they're like, oh, I can either one, I can do it myself or I can go to blah, blah, blah and do it cheaper. Okay, bye. If you think you can do that, go right on ahead. Be my guest. Um, Because most of the time, likely, yes, you can do it yourself. And yes, you can get it cheaper. But that's not going to get you the results you want. And sure, you might create a logo that will look cute for a couple months. But in reality, like a year, two years, three years from now, it's going to be obsolete. It's not gonna get you the clients you want. It's not gonna make you any money. So um, that is a huge pet peeve of mine when someone kind of like says, oh, I could get it cheaper, I'll do it myself. I'll say bye-bye. If you are like a startup designer and you are just starting out, something like that can actually really knock your confidence and make you feel like Mm -hmm. you're not worthy enough for your prices, Mm -hmm. yet you should be backing yourself 100% for whatever your prices are. You don't need to justify your prices to absolutely anyone. Mm -hmm. You've set your prices because that is how you value yourself. So if someone tries to devalue you, they're not worth your time at all. Exactly. I had a client inquiry recently and it was a fairly decent brand and I remember I sent her my prices and everything and she responded to me and she said, oh, well, so-and-so elsewhere has quoted me and then sent me the price. And I was just like, well, Mm. sorry, but my prices are my prices. Like just because somebody else is going to give you it cheaper doesn't mean I'm going to go, oh, okay. I'm You know, I'm not like a car dealership. I'm not going to just like lower my price because someone else is going (laughs) to like, I don't want to work with you if you don't think I'm worth what I'm charging. Mm -hmm. That is someone that just is price shopping isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, don't, exactly. you don't need that sort of client. If they are price shopping, they obviously don't understand the value that you're going to bring to their brand. Exactly. And someone like that, then they're not worth your time. So I wouldn't even bother with anyone that even says anything about your prices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Their low budget is not your starting no. price. Mm-hmm. So So another one that is very annoying is that say you're going sort of back and forth with a client and they're sending you feedback that they don't give you your feedback in one go. And Mm. it's just kind of like over so many emails and then you end up having like Mm -hmm. seven different emails and you're trying to have to like pick out which amend is where. And then you're more likely to kind of miss an amend because they've sent it to you in seven freaking different emails. (laughs) And now it's just Mm -hmm. like, what, what am I doing? It's so annoying see I used to have this but recently I have started doing a feedback form so I send them over like a google Mm -hmm. form to fill out and it's like I think it has like what was the first thing that you noticed with the branding or you liked or what elements did you like what elements didn't you like and why and what changes would you like to see and honestly it has like changed the game because all I have to do is click Mm -hmm. on that form everything's in one place and it really has changed the game so I would say like if you feel like your clients are doing that like just try and figure out some kind of system that works for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Forms have been a game changer in my business because I also used to, it's like, it's such a pain in the butt going through your emails. And then you're like, I know they said it in this email, I'll but where it. is it? <laughs> and then say so you spend 30 minutes looking for this damn email. Um, so I do Google Forms like Katie, but also I know some designers do um, a Trello board. And so they'll just do all communication on one Trello board. And that way they can go back and refer to that one place at any time. Um, so it just depends on what works for you, but definitely um, having some sort of system really helps too. Yeah, I've never used anything like Trello, Dubsado, or what's the other one that begins with an A? I can't remember. Asana, Asana is that it? Yeah. Asana. yeah. I've never used anything like that. Um, I do use Notion though, um, which I've started using um, more seriously recently. And I feel like there's an option in there to like have a team and invite people into your boards and things. So I do need mm. to look into doing that. But I do tend to like write everything down in my notes but it would definitely be so good if the client could like go back into it and stuff yeah dub sado ladies let me tell you has changed my life <laughs> i'm not kidding like when i first got it it took me about two hours to set up but in those two hours i set up all my systems so now i have like email templates so if i'm sending a client like a welcome email it's just the click of one button you can set up all of your forms in there your contracts your invoices literally oh, everything wow. so i Definitely recommend getting that because it's a game changer. That does, that sounds good. I need something because I, I feel like I still don't have like a specific system in place. Like I use Asana for sort of keeping track of all my client work, but I still deal with most of my clients like over email. So I am still sort of going back and forth with my clients. So yeah, it would definitely be good to have a sort of system in place. So I'm not going back and forth with them and trying to find that amend uh -huh. and then figuring out that I've actually deleted it and it's in my trash and then I'm going back and forth <laughs> and it's just like, no. Another thing as well is, is where clients like start multiple email threads. Oh, so God. then all of us so rather than every single piece of feedback being in just one thread and you have to scroll it's in like multiple different <laughs> ones the amount of times I like sometimes I'll have like one specific client that keeps doing it and I have to say please please keep in everything <laughs> in the, just answer the email don't send me a new one. Oh my god it, it really really irks me that <laughs> Okay, so I feel like this one might be a little bit controversial, but I did want to speak about it because I feel like it's going to be quite an important thing to mention. So when people view logo design as a side hustle and a quick way to make money. Now, I, I half and half agree with this one because in one sense, like, yes, like it can really devalue our business. Uh, our business, our industry, because, you know, a lot of these tend to be like these old 20 pound logo pages and like, you know, they're offering quite like literally just a logo. And it's really not great for those businesses that are investing in these because, you know, you pay cheap, you pay twice. And it's kind of that sense. And I feel like it makes it almost look like, oh, logo design is an easy thing. Like it's really not. But then the other half of me is like, you know what, if you're making money off of it, like you do you, the clients that are going to come to you for your like 20 pound logo aren't the same clients that are going to be coming to me. So I'm, I'm half and half like you do you. And I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, the clients that want those 20 pound or $20 logos are going to be a lot different than the clients that work with us. And those $20 logos are only going to get you so far, if anywhere at all. Um, 
And it's funny because I do have a lot of people who are like, oh, you design logos for a living. Oh, I think I'm going to try that out. Mm. And I'm like, yes, please try it. Like everyone <laughs> thinks since we work for ourselves, it's so easy. Like we just get to hang out at home all day. We get to create a few designs. It's so easy. Life is good. Um, when in reality, it's very, very, very hard. And unless you own your own business, whatever that may be, you're not going to know what it's like. Um, so I guess this is kind of like my pet peeve too, is when people like underestimate what we do. Um, because like I just said, owning your own business is like one of the hardest, the Mm -hmm. hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and so when anyone thinks that they can do it or they just think that we're chilling at home all day um that's a big pet peeve of mine too (laughs) and I I think it bugs me because like I know I'm only 21 but practically my whole life has been about design like I'm so incredibly passionate about it and ever since I sort of discovered I wanted to do design when I was literally a teenager it's literally been my life like I think I did an internship um like a really short internship with a design company when I was 16 and from that point on like I would constantly be on Pinterest looking for inspiration, like seeing design around me. And I feel like you have to have that element of passion, like to become a branding designer or any kind of creative field for that matter. And that's why it bugs me so much when like you get somebody that's come along and they've gone, oh, you know what, I'm going to try that out. And don't get me wrong, people switch careers, you know, you know, you can start doing logo design branding when you're 40. That's totally fine. But if you're just doing it as like a quick way to make money, it's not really that kind of thing. I think I think as well, like the last year, there has definitely been like an increase of designers on Instagram that I've seen mm-hmm. anyway. Do, I think that's obviously due to everything that's going on in the world right now. It is an easier way, I would say, to make money because you are doing it purely online. You don't have to set up as many things as you would for like a, a different sort of business. So I feel like a lot of new designers have come about due to the pandemic and obviously not having a job. And that's absolutely fine if that's how you want to make your money. But for us as other designers, and I don't know, it's kind of had an effect on us some way because I think clients can sort of expect prices to be lower because they're seeing Mm -hmm. these sort of Instagram pages now that they can get a logo for what, like 50 pounds, 20 pounds or whatever. And it goes back to that thing that you were saying, Alyssa, like when people are like, oh, I can get it done cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. Like that is because of these like cheaper logo pages that, but the thing is we're offering totally different services. Logo design and branding are actually completely different. Like, yes, we do logo design, but it's part of a much bigger thing. So when you come to me and be like, why are you charging like, a grand for a logo it's like I'm not you know it's it's a full branding package and strategy it's totally different like the logo is just a tiny portion of it I I think Mm -hmm. as well a lot of clients that we sort of deal with are uneducated in branding like they're Mm -hmm. not gonna understand fully what branding is because it's not their sector and it's sort of our job to try and advise what it is and what we do and what we can bring for the brands but with those 20 pound logo pages or 10 pound pre-made logo pages you're not going to get that from that and you're not going to understand the value of branding through those pages so yeah it is it's one of my pet peeves is those pre-made logo pages I'm not gonna lie but (laughs) if you think about it those people with the 20 pound logos often maybe even a year down the line they come to us to um, redo their branding. And unfortunately, that is the truth. Um, 
you know, when we when we first started as designers, I mean, I'm sure we were all in some kind of same boat where we were charging quite cheap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we built that up. We didn't stay at that level. And um, that's what a lot of these like 20 pound pages like no hate at all. Like, If you're making money and you're having fun doing it like you do you like whatever. But, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I got a good one, and this might not even be a pet peeve for you guys, but this is maybe my biggest pet peeve, just because I'm always on my stories, and I'm like, don't do this. So, when someone just DMs you, and they say, how much for a logo, or mm. how much for a website, I'm like, how many pages is the website going to have? What features do you want it? Who is your audience? What problems are we going to be solving? Like... That, that to me is probably my biggest pet mm-hmm. peeve. And at this point, I just don't even respond to no, DMs like same. that because <laughs> I know that they're just price shopping and they're probably copy and pasting that email and sending it to any designer they can find and they're just going to go with the lowest price. Um, yeah. <laughs> 100%. If you haven't listened to the episode that we did, um, I think it was episode three, an honest chat on about pricing with Millie from MGP Multimedia. She talks a lot about um, like the, the, what is it? The, the hierarchy yeah. of like the reason that people shop and price shopping is like at the very bottom, like the things that like mm-hmm. you should avoid. So I always ignore the DMs that say how much for a logo yep. because they are price shopping and nine times out of 10, you're going to tell them their prices and they're going to run a mile anyway. So mm-hmm. why? I have humored them in the past, honestly, just for a laugh oh because I just find it amusing to try and explain to these people. And I remember I answered one once and I told him my prices and he was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why is it so expensive? Like how, almost like insulting me and be like, why Why are you charging that yeah. much? And you know what? Go to Fiverr. I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. Hashtag go to Fiverr. Um, yeah, that, that to me, like, what was really funny is I like posted this whole Instagram story, like going off about it. And literally one hour later, someone DM'd me and said, how much for a logo? Oh my God. I was like, did you not just watch my story? Like you're here on my page. I'm sure you were checking me out a little. Maybe you watch my story and you still sent me that DM. So I think it's a big telltale tell, sign that they're not doing their mm-hmm. research. They've just seen that you do logos and they've just sent you a message. Because half the time these people that DM you, they, they don't follow you. Mm-hmm. The chances that they've looked on your page are very small because they would have seen that you have an inquiry form or a wait list. Or I have in my bio at the minute that I'm currently not taking on any clients because mm-hmm. I just don't have the capacity for it. And I still get DMs like, <laughs> this is my project. Can Can you take me on? And I'm like, did you even read my bio? Like you literally just had to click on my page to see that. And it just shows like carelessness really. And they're just not the kind of people you want to be working with. Exactly. There's like your first red flag. And when you see one red flag, there's probably a million more where that Mm -hmm. came from. So there's your first telltale sign. Just no. (laughs) I feel like we've all had red flags as well. But like when I was like, I say a year ago, there were these red flags. I didn't really know like back then what it meant Mm -hmm. and I'd take them on and then down the line 
um, I'd see like, yeah, this is this is the red flag. And then there would be just so many different things within that that I'm just like, why why did I take this client on? Like, this isn't even worth yep. it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't worth my time. <laughs> Trust your gut. Yeah, literally. Trust your gut. Literally. It's, it's hard to see red flag clients though sometimes because if you are just speaking mm-hmm. to them over email and you're not on a call or whatever, you can't really sort of see if it is yep. a red flag client and... Some of my biggest nightmare clients have been ones that I never even suspected. Oh no. Like, because you just can't tell. And honestly, like, I think I've had maybe two or three clients that have been like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And they seemed so lovely at the beginning and you, you just never see it coming. So as much as you can be precautious and careful and try and avoid these red flags, like that's great, but there are going to be some that slip through the crack. So you just need to be prepared. <laughs> I know we, I knew yeah. we were on about um, getting DMs off of people saying like, oh, how much will it go? I was going to say another pet peeve of mine is like when you get someone in your DMs that are like, trying to be like sort of nice to you or like trying to sell you something and they don't even freaking follow you like don't yes like don't even don't I have a story to tell (laughs) I had a dm right so it wasn't from a client it was from I think she did marketing or some kind of va or something like that and she was in my dms and she was like, I really want to connect with you. Um, tell me about your hobbies. Why did you decide to start your business? And I literally sent her a message like, look, I'm really sorry. I'm going to stop you there because I know this is a sales pitch and I'm not mm-hmm. interested. And then she sent me like five voice notes. What? And honestly, I didn't even I didn't even listen to them because I was a bit scared. <laughs> but, you know, like we recognize these techniques. Like if you Instantly. come into my DMs going, what is the biggest challenge in your business? I know you're trying to sell me something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested yeah instantly that's funny I'll kind of go off of that too I got a dm going off the pet peeve of like sales pitching in dms um she sent me a dm and you can kind of tell when it's a bot this kind of felt like it was a bot and it said hey lovely thanks for the follow I'm so excited we get to be friends tell me more about your business and it was someone I didn't recognize I was like thanks for the follow so I went to her page I wasn't following her I've never seen this person in my life so I was just like (laughs) so you'll get weird like bot or like messages like Mm -hmm. that sometimes um and that's just not a good way of getting new clients or like making connections no I mean there are certain ways to like dm people but Mm-hmm. doing it that way is just it's just not the way because people just recognize it instantly that you're trying to sell them something and it is actually really off-putting I don't know why but it yeah. really is so like if you are trying to approach somebody in their dms trying to get them to be a client of yours like follow them for maybe a week or two yeah. weeks like their posts comment on their posts dm them not relating to anything about your business and then yes. maybe you can develop a relationship with them don't just send them a dm like hi I'm a branding designer do you want a logo? Yeah, <laughs> it never you've works. got to treat it as if it's like you're talking to someone in real life. That's how I see it. Like I would never yes. ever go up to a person and be like, "Hi, my name's Abby. I do design. Do this. I want to do this for your business." Like I, I would never do that. You yeah. have to slowly, if you are meeting someone, slowly just be nice to them, be genuine, just be your usual self, and not try and be salesy mm-hmm. because there is nothing worse than someone that is just so sally sally, and it's just it, it infuriates mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's why a lot of people are like scared of sales because like a lot of the time sales are slimy. I so know. you have to do it in a mm -hmm. way that's like you're nurturing a relationship. And like you just said, Abby, like you wouldn't just go up to someone like, hey, I'm Melissa, you want a brand? <laughs> and they're like, who, what, uh, who are you? So yeah, you have to like introduce yourself, become friends and then like ask them what's up. I've, I found mm -hmm. a lot of my clients as well. So like on my inquiry form, I'll have a, like a bit at the end that says like, why do you, like, how did you find out about me? Why do you want to work with me? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've found that a lot of them have said like, oh, I've been following you for months. Like, and I've seen, mm -hmm. seen, yeah, me I've too. seen your Instagram stories yep. and stuff and I feel like I can trust you. And it is literally that if you do follow someone, you're gonna build that trust with them. So yeah, I just feel like you just, follow them for like months and then take it on like that. Absolutely. I get the same things too. It's like, oh, I've been following you for months now. And so, and you don't realize these people are like no. following along and paying attention. So you just have to remember like someone's always watching. So mm -hmm. definitely, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next one. So this like really rings true for me, especially at the minute because I'm going through it with a particular client and it's when clients say that they don't have a vision until they see your designs and then they start nitpicking, AKA I'll know it when I see it. Now, mm -hmm. this is possibly one of the most frustrating client situations and have I got a story oh, to girl. tell? So <laughs> I actually spoke, spoke about it on my stories a while ago, oh, but yeah. I've recently been working with a client and we went through the whole mood boarding process. She was a fast track client of mine. She wanted things doing really quickly on a rush order. So we decided to um, skip like the main brand strategy presentation that I do. We still did brand strategy, but it was just like her answering a questionnaire basically. Mm -hmm. I did a mood board. Um, she did a Pinterest board and everything was super in line with what she wanted. And she was obsessed with the mood board. She absolutely loved it, loved the color palettes, etc. One thing that she specifically said she wanted was some like illustrations, you know, that kind of like really trendy style of illustration where the person like doesn't have a yeah. face and mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, that's the kind of thing she wanted. So I spent a really long time on this branding project and I spent a whole day getting these illustrations done for her. Yeah, so I sent over the um, branding project. I was super proud of it, really excited about it. I loved, it was quite different to what I'd done before. So really proud of it. And I get this feedback and she's like, I don't like it. Mm. Now this client of mine is very blunt anyway. So she tends to just like say things. Um, and she was like, I don't like it. She was like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Basically didn't like any of it. She didn't like the illustrations. So she decided she didn't want them anymore. And I basically sent her an email like, look, if you want to change the concept, it's gonna be an additional cost. Mm -hmm. So she went, okay, she instantly sent me over the money plus extra for the time that I'd spent on the illustrations, which I didn't even ask for. So I was quite thankful for that. And then she redid her Pinterest board and it was completely opposite to what we'd been working on. We'd gone from really neutrals, like literally a nude color palette to she, she specifically said, I want pink, black and purple, really sort of like badass witchy vibes. And I was like, okay. So I did, went back to the drawing <laughs> so board. Weird. I know, I did another mood board for her with the specific color palette that she requested. You know, I don't like it. Can you please just disregard everything that I said? Oh my God. And then she was like, actually, I do want something more neutral. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right oh. now? 
And I said to her, I was like, right, I'm going to do one more, but I'm afraid this is the last one because if you keep changing your yeah. mind, we're never going to move forward. Um, so this mood board has just been approved and I now have to do the branding, which I'm worried for. <laughs> but, but yeah, so long story short, if, you, if you're a client for some reason and you're listening to this, please have a direction in mind before you contact your designer. <laughs> yeah, wow, that sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it really was, honestly. She just kept changing her mind and it was obviously a case of like, she doesn't know what she wants until she actually sees it. Um, So yeah, we just sort of went backwards and forwards and I I literally felt like pulling my hair out. I was like, can you just make a decision, please? (laughs) There is nothing, there's nothing worse, is there, than going back and forth with the client and them changing their mind halfway through Mm -hmm. through when you've already spent a lot Mm -hmm. of hours trying to like develop the brand for them to say like, no, this isn't like the direction I want to go in. It's it's fine, obviously, if they they want to change their mind but when it is a completely different one than what you started that is definitely a pet peeve of mine and something that infuriates me and you have to question why though like why are you suddenly changing your mind like has something in your business changed right because in my mind like you're well not just in my mind it's it's sort of the law of design it has to like represent your business it's not just about what you like like I I remember I had an inquiry once and it made me laugh and it stuck in my head. She, I think she owned some kind of like beauty business and she's like, oh, and by the way, I really like horses. So I want a horse on the logo. No. And I was like, (laughs) on a beauty logo? Where? Why? Oh God. (laughs) I think it was a beauty logo. It was definitely something completely unrelated to horses. And I was like, people are going to think you do like horses hair or something. (laughs) No. I know. And oh, on it, I was just so confused and oh you just think oh please and it's why I tried to like educate people so much over on my Instagram page mm-hmm. about like what goes behind a brand blah 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 but obviously not everybody takes notice of those posts and you just think oh my god yeah and for your client who went from like a nudish vibe to mm-hmm. like black pink purple witchy vibes those are two totally different brands and they're going to attract two totally different groups of people um Mm -hmm. and I have had a client something similar like that happen and so usually when that type of miscommunication is going on I want to hop on a call and like Mm -hmm. first explain to them hey we already talked about who your ideal audience is and then we're gonna and then I will like guide her which brand is going to attract that um, but something that has really helped when I send over like logo concepts or mood boards or like the first draft of a website, I'll now record a loom video. Mm-hmm. And then so in the loom video, I'll be explaining to them, here's your design. Here's why I made it this way. Here's who it's going to attract. Here's what it's going to accomplish. And since I started doing that, I get like a lot less revisions now just because sometimes an email it get, like it can get really easy for messages to get miscommunicated or like certain designs um so videos really help but you're still always going to get that person who's like actually I'm really loving pink at the moment let's go with that and you're yeah, like that takes oh. us back to that <laughs> us like being the experts and them obviously not valuing us as the mm-hmm. experts again see it's really interesting though because I don't know if this is a UK thing but I don't do calls with my clients. Do you, mm. Abby? I don't think I've I've probably done about four or five. Oh, right. Depend it basically for me it just depends on the client what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with because I know 
a lot of us in the UK, we're, I'd say we're... Socially not awkward. The, yeah, we're, we are less confident, I would say. Um, and a lot of my clients just aren't comfortable mm. talking, like, on, like, that. And, like, I've had phone calls and stuff. And yeah, I've had stuff phone over calls. Zoom. Oh. But, yeah, it's definitely... I do more things on email than mm-hmm. I would on a call. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah, I'll do... Um, I always do, like, an inquiry call. Like, I usually won't sign a client unless I have a call or like a video call with them just because also you can detect a lot of red flags in that yeah. call with them yeah. um and then after that I don't typically do like more calls it just depends on the client but I'll always do like an inquiry call um and then I'll also always send them videos but I know calls are like pain a big pain in the butt and I'm an actually really introverted person like I still get nervous before calls but as soon as I hop on the call I'm like okay this makes everything so much easier we don't have to go back and forth on email a hundred times like our messages aren't getting confused so um yeah I I have to I feel like for me that's the next like step in my business to level up I really need to start to start doing that. I think one of the struggles for me as well is a lot of my clients are international. So honestly, mm-hmm. like the majority of my clients are American mm-hmm. and it kind of makes it difficult sort of time-wise because I'm a really like yeah. early bird. I wake up at 6 a.m. every morning and get work done and I'm finished work at like 12, 1 p.m. And then sort of by the evening. So like right now, as we're filming this, it's like 7 p.m. 7. in the UK. And what, it's like 1 p.m. for you, yep. Melissa? Yep. Yeah, so like it would mean that I would be like sitting here at like 7pm doing calls and that just feels like very, I don't know, counterproductive. But but yeah, I think definitely it is something I need to start start introducing because I have had clients and they've been like, can we just jump on a call? And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah, I will never like, um, like I guess that's a pet peeve too when a client's like, hey, can you talk on the phone right now? And yeah. I'll always say no, like I'm more than willing to hop on a call with you, but we need to schedule it because my mm. days, like usually at the week, my days are like booked up in advance. Yeah. So I'll never do like the hop on a call thing. Um, but yes, calls are a game changer, ladies. And they also have helped me like raise my prices. Cause like when mm. you pitch this huge price over email or um, a proposal or investment guide, whatever you guys use, Sometimes people read that price and they don't see the value behind it. That's why when I'm able to like hop on a call and explain to them the value and the problems I'd be solving, I can say that price and then they'll be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when I think about it, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I've done this like whole project with their person, with this person. I don't even know what they look like. (laughs) And sometimes it feels really, really like detached. Like, I feel like I know you because we've been emailing constantly, but I don't actually like know you so know I feel like calls yeah. would really like strengthen that client uh, totally. relationship so definitely I guess it's I guess it's one of those things that like once you do it once mm-hmm. like it's it gets easier yes. with a lot of things like talking on your stories and stuff it just gets a lot easier so maybe we should like put in a thing where like we're gonna do it now Katie yeah <laughs> do you know we're what just do do I have had um three clients who I've met in person Mm, um which has been really interesting um one of them turned out to be a nightmare client so we won't go there but the other two I have like the best relationships with them because like we live in the same area I've like physically taken like business cards to them before and it's really it's really great I love it but um unfortunately um Americans are the clients that um see the value in branding yes (laughs) which is the truth 
Yeah, that's true. And I guess if I were you, I wouldn't want to do a call at 7 p.m. No. either. Maybe you could do it at like 4 p.m. Because what would that yeah, be? Yeah, yeah that, that kind of works. I just need to like figure out a schedule. But yeah, Abby, that's our goal moving do forward. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should set something in stone of like maybe like the next person we take on, we should like make sure that there is a call involved. Yes. So we actually do Yeah, that. or do like <laughs> one sales call a week, like one inquiry call a yeah. week that's a good place to start 100 <laughs> yeah that's a good shout okay moving on to my next one i was gonna say um one of my pet peeves is like when someone comes to you and they're wanting like x amount which is like a lot of stuff but they aren't actually willing to pay for yeah. that much of stuff and it's like you're you're expecting all of this and your budget is what like a hundred pounds mm-hmm. Like that is is not gonna happen. <laughs> I have an email template now because I used to just like send my whole email and be like, this is how much it's gonna cost. And it wasted so much time because I don't just use a template. I sort of go in and customize bits and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I have a template now that's like, hi, um, I'm afraid the scope of work you're asking for isn't quite within your budget. Um, you would be looking at an investment of X amount of money. Um, yeah. If your budget changes or if you have a change in circumstance, I'd be more than happy to um, give you a quote or you know talk about how we could move on. But for now, I'm gonna send you an introduction packet and you can see my <laughs> services, but thank you, goodbye. <laughs> Essentially, that's you, you what sat- you sound like you know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you I do. get a lot of inquiries. You've got it all like, covered. Yeah, I get a lot of inquiries where their budget's like a hundred pound and they're asking for like a website, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, <laughs> that possible. actually happened to me um, a couple weeks ago. I was on a call with a lady, um, and we were like, the whole call went great. We we're like, okay, we're gonna do brand strategy, brand design, an e-commerce website. Um, and then at the end, she said her budget was $1,000 max. And to me, that is really low. Um, that's not even like a quarter Honestly, of that, what that I charge. That is so funny because that is like the standard for us here in the UK. No, girl. No, that is like... <laughs> no, girl. Like if let's say someone wanted to do um, brand strategy, brand identity, and e-commerce website, it's typically like anywhere from like 7 to 10K. Yeah, so that's go, why I'm getting so many American clients because I'm cheap. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, I think you posted something on your stories and I was going to tell you, like, girl, you need to up them prices right yeah. now. But when that person said, okay, my budget's $1,000 max, like she emphasized the max. And mm. I said, okay, so you expect all of these results. Like her goal, we talked about her goals and her goals were to like quadruple her prices, become like one of the most well-known wedding planners in her area, like all these things and her big goals. And I was like, okay, so you expect to triple, quadruple your prices and your budget is only $1,000. Tell me your secret. Because if you're wanting to make like $500,000 with a $1,000 budget, tell me your secret. Like how, how are you going to do that? And she got offended. It's so interesting though. Like I did a post um, a while ago that was sort of comparing like UK average prices and US average prices. And the difference was insane. Mm -hmm. Like the majority of people from the UK were expecting to pay like 100 to 300 pounds for branding. What's that like $500? 
Um, that's what like the standard was that people were expecting to pay. And then obviously in the US, like you're out there charging like seven grand, which yeah. is like insane. <laughs> I think um, like for something like that, I'd be at about three and a half dollars, three and a half thousand dollars. But even still, like when you compare that to what you're charging Alyssa, like it feels like so little. Yeah. Um, but But here in the UK, it's just like, branding is not something you spend money on yeah like do you agree abby yeah people just do not value it they don't see what it can do for their business until like a year later say that like things have picked up they Mm -hmm. don't see the value because it's not something that you can i don't know like with money and stuff like you you're not getting that return of investment Mm -hmm. like straight away from branding because you're not seeing it in like a money sort of form because it is just branding but yeah in the UK I just find that people just don't understand what they're getting for for their business and compared to like in America and other places it's just it's completely different isn't it yeah it truly is why the majority of my clients are American like don't get me wrong I do work with a fair share of um, UK clients as well I'd say maybe like 70% of my clients are from uh, the US or Australia I work with or Canada as well um, because I feel like they're willing to spend that little bit more. So I'm sort of in their budget. Um, but yeah, I get m- nine times out of 10, my low budget inquiry emails are from people from the UK. I do get some as well that are from America and they're like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, Oh, that's like 50 quid. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, but. a lot of people that ghost me are from the UK, yeah. I'd say. Mm. Whereas from people from America, they will reply and say like, yeah, this is in my budget mm-hmm. or it's not in, within my it's budget. It's so but- interesting, isn't it? Well, the beauty of that is you guys can now just start targeting people who live in the U.S. Because like um, me, I'm I'm friends with a lot of other U.S. designers and I've been in masterminds and coaching groups here. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I just told you guys, like seven to 10K is like my highest prices they've ever been. But with girls that I've worked with in these like mastermind programs, they're charging like 15 30 like 15 to 30k so i'm considered like to some designers my services are considered cheap and now that i'm doing all of this um i'm like the more i do it the more i'm like okay yeah i need to raise my prices because i'm putting in months of hard work here and solving these huge problems sorry there's a bug here (laughs) um so and especially for you guys you're both amazing designers so you both like need to raise your prices like as soon Mm -hmm. as possible i'm not kidding I tend to do it like every, I love how we've just ended up starting a conversation about pricing, but it's just one of them things that always comes up, isn't it? I tend to like increase my my prices every time I sort of open my books again. Good. So like I'm fully yeah. booked now. Well, we're currently filming this at the beginning of March, so it'll probably mm-hmm. be a bit later when the episode comes out, but I am currently fully booked until April. So I will start taking on clients again in the summer, but then I will have like a price increase. But I do tend to do value-based pricing anyway, which is like if the client's budget is a little bit higher, I will like charge a little bit more. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because we have talked about it in a previous episode, but oh, it just grinds my gears. I just always end up coming back to the chat about pricing. (laughs) Oh, it's a good topic and a good rule of thumb, I think for no matter what business you're in, um, is if you're booked out, that's a sign you need to raise your prices. Yes, Um, exactly. Yeah. The, th- the thing that I struggle with though is like, cause I'm currently booked until like May, I think. I find like, because I'm booking people in, say in like February, March, by the time it comes to like May, 
those prices that I were charging, like mm-hmm. I'll look back and I'll be like, yes. why, why was I charging <laughs> yes. so little? And like, but because it's been like three or four months, I'm like, Damn I would it. not charge that now. Yes, how, how did I even, how did I even charge that? And like, I'll get to it and I'll be like, oh my God, like I'm doing this like yes. brand design and like I'm I'm charging this little, like I don't even want to be doing <laughs> this now because I've, I've been charging so little compared to what my prices are now. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's one of those things, it's hard though, because you want to be booked out, but by the time it gets to that date, you're like still, your prices have increased yes. and, uh, no, it's, it's a hard one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I literally thought that today, like today was the start date for some clients that I booked last fall, and I was like, shit, <laughs> like what the, I didn't want to do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, it's like a lesson learned. Okay, so I think we have maybe have time for one more pet peeve. So Alyssa, do you have do you have one final one that you wanna that you wanna go with? Okay, this this one kind of sparked, um, Katie. I think you were oh we were talking about the client who kept switching back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, but you were saying her feedback was I don't know, and then I I'm sure she gave you some yeah. more feedback. But sometimes the client will be like I don't like this, and you'll be like Okay, well what is it? about it that you don't like. And they're like, I don't know, I just don't like it. And you're like, okay, well, I can't help you unless you help me understand what it is that's really just not, you're not vibing with, so. It's like you're trying to solve a problem on like nothing. Like they've not given you anything to work with. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't like this is not effective feedback. and that's not going to help us create something that you truly love. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I get it all the time where they're just like, okay, I don't like that color. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, can you tell me why you don't like that color? What mm-hmm. is it about that color that you feel like doesn't represent your business? Like, mm-hmm. it's just asking all of these follow-up questions. But but yeah, I do get that that quite a lot. I tend to send over a... Um, a blog um article not a blog article a blo- like a blog post on mm-hmm. how to give feedback to your designer and I have it it's not mine it's by studio Anthea I want to say but it's a really really great post and I honestly have it in my client welcome packet and I send it every single oh. time I ask for feedback because I'm like please read this I need that yeah, yeah. it's so good it's so good it has like do's and don'ts and it's, it's just brilliant but oh, I think that. making it really clear to your clients that they need you know, if we're putting in all of this hard effort and hard work to like create something that's really on brand and we feel works really well, you can't just say, I don't like it. Like you have to reciprocate that effort and do the same the other way around, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or if they say like, I don't like it. Can you try adding um, another line or can you try adding this? Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And then you do all of this stuff and then they're like, actually, let's just use the original one. And you're like, well, there goes two whole days of my life that I'm never going to get back. Or you get the clients that have like no disregard for like the design principles and things like this um, client of mine that I was talking about, we're actually working on two projects because she has two businesses and we're doing them simultaneously. And for one of the other projects that we're working on, she wanted to see it in capital letters. And I said, right, it was right. It was the font Glamour Absolute. I'm sure you've probably heard of it. And she wanted it in, in caps. And I was like, no um it it's not gonna look <laughs> no. right and she wanted like um the the first letter of the words to be capitals and it looks okay but I said look I strongly advise against this it looks really 
unbalanced and the proportions don't look right and it doesn't really follow sort of standard design principles and then she wanted the submark in lowercase and I was like it really doesn't match and she was like no I want that and there was really no convincing her otherwise and I was like why hire a designer to have my like expert opinion and then just completely ignore it yeah that's like, like that meme where it's like this little girl crying and drawing it's like <laughs> me making design changes when i know it's gonna make my design look horrible and i'm like that's yeah. just the worst <laughs> and then you don't even want to share it on your portfolio or social media because people are gonna be like ew but you're in reality it's like no i didn't make it this way my client made me do it yeah it's why i do so many passion projects because you have like total creative freedom yeah. you don't have a client going can you just add a, a circle here? And you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make a pop? <laughs> See, if I, if I have projects where like the client has literally taken over and it's like not even my design anymore, I will just not show that in my portfolio yeah, because I'm like, what is the point? Because like I haven't really done anything here. It's been the client. They've ruined my design pretty much. Sometimes I get <laughs> like no a point. streak of them though where I'll have like a couple of projects that do the same and then I feel like I'm not uploading anything new and I'm worried that people are going to be yeah. like, why doesn't she have any clients? Why isn't she showing the work? And I'm like, no. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah, like there's so much that I haven't shown just because like it doesn't fit my aesthetic or like I don't I don't love it, um, but it really doesn't yeah. matter what I think. Exactly. At the end of the day, like the yeah, client but- is paying you to have something for their business so if that's what they want then realistically they should get it as long as it like works um it's just really hard to sometimes let go of that like attachment that we have to the designer it's like no I don't want to change that Mm, it's soul crushing in a way (laughs) it is when you design something so good and you're just like having it crushed by your like client I hate I hate it it's horrible me too Okay, so I really hope you guys have like enjoyed this episode of listening to our pet peeves. Um, to wrap up, Alyssa, we do have one question for you. And we asked this right. to all of our guests that are coming on. And that is, what is one piece of advice would you give to a designer who is just starting out in the industry? It can be absolutely anything, but your one piece of advice that you would give to someone. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> a, a bit of a end. big question. <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, never settle. Never settle for those low prices or those shitty clients or the job you hate or um, being ordinary. Never settle because we literally only have one life. We only get one shot at this. So do what you got to do in order to create the most extraordinary life. Um, And raise your prices, please. Yes. Yes. Never settle and raise your prices. Yeah. That is such a good piece of advice. I was sat here like, wow, that is deep. (laughs) But I love it. Yes, girl, I'm passionate about that stuff. So thank you so much for coming on here, Alyssa, and spending the evening or day with us talking about our pet peeves. I know this one is like a very juicy one Mm -hmm. within the industry that we're in. Um, So it's been really great to just talk about this, get it off our chest, because I feel like we've been holding (laughs) a lot of stuff in. And I feel like within the industry as well, like we don't really get to talk to other designers like we are mm-hmm. now so it's really nice to actually have that conversation get things out loud and just get talking about these sorts of things so if you do have any other pet peeves or 
If you have any stories that you do wanna share with us, remember to go onto um, Off Air Pod on Instagram, check out the link in the bio and you will see um, within the links in there, there is a Google Forms where you can fill out. It is um, anonymous, so we won't be using any of your names if you do have a story. Um, so fill that out and then hopefully we're gonna be doing a few episodes on some nightmare client stories, mm-hmm. some maybe more pet peeves and just some things that aren't spoken about within the industry. Um, but yeah, if you aren't already, make sure you are subscribed to our podcast and you are following us over on instagram on off our pod and we will see you again on our next episode and make sure to go and follow Alyssa as well over is it at brandon bloom designs yep at brandon bloom yep. designs uh, my name was Alyssa, and thank you guys so much for having me this was so much fun yeah it was so much fun <laughs> thank you so much for coming on yeah